Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Fueling your mission all year round. Your home for everything rugby league. This is Running It Straight with Tony Kemp and Sam Hewitt on SENZ. Oh, that is rugby Kick off running it straight. That's right. Is this your order, Tony Kim? Is this your That's kind of music? Order. It's my order. Welcome to the good life. Yep, we're talking rugby league because it is a good time of the year, mate. Finals <laughs> football is about to kick off on Friday night, and we've got a cracker we've on got, Friday. We've got like every game because I'll go through. Um, like I don't watch every single game like mm. you probably do, but I go through at the start of the weekend and I go, oh, look, I'd really want to watch that. I always watch the Warriors, um, and I really want watch that one, and maybe I'll have time for that one. These four, shut the gate. Must shut watch gate. all of them. It's so well matched and up. And there's so many like little stories behind them all, you know, like the Parramatta-Penrith um, game being played at Penrith with only 20,000 people. You take that to the biggest stadium in Sydney – and they'd fill it with mm. 80,000 people mm. just because it's Penrith, Penrith Power. Um, and not that, not only that, but Power have had the all over Penrith as well. They have. That's just. Did you hear the, the stat about Andrew Voss? Yeah. And he's calling them again on Friday night. Called, and they haven't lost any. It's so called 10. 10 games. He's, he's 10 called from them. 10. Oh, I'm, look, I've. I think if there's a smoky this weekend, it's definitely the eels over the Panthers. So, but you go to Melbourne and Canberra, and Canberra got the wood on Melbourne, and and you know that's probably the only team outside the eight that could probably win the competition is in the Storm, which has never been done, uh, I think, um, before in rugby league. So, and then you've got two, three who no one picked at the beginning of the year to finish two and three, and the Sharks and the Cowboys, mate, mm. both on fire. Um, and the thing about finals footy champion is, you know, you've ex player, ex coach. Um, how hard or how easy it is to go, that's done now. Now it's finals. You just you have to eliminate everything. Like we're talking about, oh, they beat them twice in the regular set. That's all gone, eh? Does that's that just exactly, go? That's right. You know once you get to the finals, and especially on week one, anything can happen. Um, but it's set up for the top four. It's, you know, if you want, you want to finish in the top four because you get a life. You get a chance to have a break. Because when you get to play them in the major semi in, in two weeks' time, uh, three weeks' time, you're fresh again, ready to go again. And that's why it's, you know, if you're in the top four, that's why they generally play in the final. So, um, and then at the end of this week, weekend, just to cap it off, we've got the local derby mm. of Sydney City versus South. You know what I mean? Like you could have, again, you go and take it to the biggest stadium in Sydney and they fill it. So <laughs> it's I reckon the NRL must be rubbing their hands with the way that the draws worked out because it could you, the amount of press that they'll have in Sydney at the moment around these games would be phenomenal the thing about having a life yeah I mean on the outside to me that sounds good you know you can afford to drop and, and, and you're not gone but in a funny way it's sort of a hindrance because you want to go out there and just go I die for my jersey I die for my existence I die for my club whereas in the back of your head I've got a life would you put absolutely 
everything, every single player, put absolutely everything? Well, you only have to look at Penrith's run last year. You know, they, who thought that they would actually go through and win it? Mm. They weren't meant to win those games. They weren't meant to lose those games. And yet here they are winning the grand final because they did exactly that. They went out every week, gave the everything. They got they got beaten the first one, had to go out and beat Melbourne the second one, had to go back and get themselves in the final and then beat the team that beat them the first time to win it because they went to the other side of the draw. So um, that's why f- when it gets to finals, you reset. Mm. You know, you reset, you go on a run, you know exactly what your scenarios are and you plan accordingly. And And... The Penrith Eels game, mate, it's their grand final. They'll play because they know the benefit of getting that one week off. So, you know, Penrith will be throwing everything at the Eels to try and beat them. We're going to be joined by Joel Kane shortly. But, Kempi, this time of year, the other thing I love about the NRL and put a line through pretty much Sunday. So we know who got the wooden spoon. We know who's not made in the eight. Um, but there's a whole lot of noise all year around the NRL about transfers, coaches. Is he going to get sacked? Oh, he's been suspended. Oh, he's there's talk about him going to the Dolphins. Now, that all buggers off. It's just about the games. That's right. And it's about the best games. It's the best time, best football of the year gets played over the next month. You know, so you're, you're, you're gearing up for the first week in October to see who actually is going to win the competition this year. And I've got to say, for the first time I've looked at a top eight, you look at it and you go, actually, one of those teams in the bottom four of the eight could actually win it. Mm. That's that's how that's how close this competition has been this year. Um and I you know, I know I know Ivan rested and played a second grade side last last week. He played a second grade side, his third grade side had to come and play second grade. Mm. Um and all the first grade boys got a rest. But I think it may backfire because they may be, you know, you've got to remember that Nathan, his son hasn't played for five weeks with that suspension. So his first game back in, he's going to be a little bit underdone. Um, and the longer it goes on where Parramatta are in it, like Parramatta get better. If they are in it, they get actually get better as the game goes on. So mm. I'd say, I'd say a lot of Parramatta people would be rubbing their hands together and going, good time to get Penrith. This is a, this is a, you know, we can get Penrith now go through, have a rest of the week and one more game. And you, you remember in the, in the 80s, the, the great Parramatta side, they've, they've been waiting for this moment. I think they went once since was, I think, 2001, where they lost to the Knights. The Knights went down and they, they basically smashed everyone all year and then went to the grand final. The Knights just jumped out of the gates too quick and they couldn't catch them. You know, Andrew Johns just did a number on them with uh, Big Ben Kennedy. So... It's been a long time for between drinks for Parramatta, but that's really the game I'm looking forward forward to is the first one, mm. you know, because that's going to really set the tone for the rest of them. And sets the whole weekend up. You can text through any questions. We still have the six again with Kempe, the best six questions, or any six questions I'll put to Kempe later on in the show. Um, someone's just mentioned that West Tigers qualified fifth in 2005 when they won it. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yep, and that's a, that's a different... Um, that was a different system, different was it? final system. Yeah, so four played five, and one actually got the week off, mm. and two played three, and the loser out of three played the win out of four versus five. So two went back and played one for the final. So you could win one, go f- have a week off, win another, you're in the grand final. Yeah, and then you the, the teams in four and five had to win every single week for that month to get through. And I, that, I, that's a, I really because I played in that one. Um, with Newcastle, that's an awesome system. Mm. 
you know, that's an awesome system to play in because you just know, you know, we finished fifth um, and third in the two years that I went to the finals and the fifth one was the toughest week. Because we, back then, we finished fifth equal with Balmain. We played them on the Sunday, beat them, finished with the same points, same points differential. We had to actually play them again Tuesday night. Oh, we played Sunday, and I've told this story before. I remember lying in the bed in Parramatta because it was at Parramatta Stadium, and I couldn't even get out of bed on Tuesday going, because you'd put so much into it on Sunday. Yeah. And going, man, if I'm feeling like this, how's everyone else feeling? You know. And then all of a sudden you get to the game, and I just went, where's the pain gone? Adrenaline, eh? It's ready to let's go again. You yeah, know? awesome. So it was, it was a, it's a good system, that one. Right, we're just going to take it. We're just struggling to get a good phone line into Joel Kane in Australia. It's just clicking in and out. So we'll take a break, and hopefully on the other side of that, we can establish a nice solid connection. We're running it straight uh, on SCNZ, and we've got Joel Kane on the line. Sugar, how are you going, brother? Happy, how are you, mate? Staffy, you well, boys? Yeah. We're, we're flying. Yeah, mate, we're good. We're, mate, we're excited. The finals are on. Thanks for joining us this afternoon, mate. We're going to get straight into it because we know we've got to let you go and get back into your stuff that you're doing over there. We're just going to talk through the finals, Joel. Um, mate, what a match this first one on Friday night. Panthers-Eels, who you got? Mate, I have got Penrith in a real close one. Um, I just got a feeling that... See, what I'm worried about, boys, really... And, and, I need to turn this uh, volume off, by the way. But anyway, I'm driving the car and I'm doing that responsibly. Look, I, I do worry about Penrith winning this game. So if they scrap by Parramatta, then all of a sudden they get another two weeks off. And I'm worrying that they are shot up in that preliminary final. So for me personally, it does sound counterintuitive. You listen to what you're going, what's this bloke are you talking about? But if I'm a Panthers fan, I actually would be quite content to lose this first week go and beat Melbourne or Canberra and then charge right in through the grand final. So uh, I am tipping Penrith, uh, but Parramatta, I will say this, boys, they have been preferred to be the most dominant team two years, Penrith. They've played seven finals. What's your guess as their biggest winning margin in those seven finals? I'll go 12. I'll go 20. Four. She's a a battle. They have not won a match in the finals for the last two years, those seven finals, by any more than four points. In fact, every game they've played in in the finals has been decided by six points or less. So um, this this competition is far from being over, that's for sure. Yeah. And then on Saturday night, Joel, we move into the Storm Raiders, mate. The Raiders seem to have the wood over the Storm. Is that how you've seen it? They've won the last four at Amy Park. I was down there for their last game, and uh, Pappenhausen got injured, of course. Uh, I'll tip the Melbourne Storm just because, uh, well, it's going to be heavily reliant on Jerome Hughes. Um, just on that, boys, and I'm, I'm sort of pivoting a little bit here, the rise of New Zealand, and I, I am sort of uh, distracting you a little bit here, but the rise of New Zealand Rugby League and, and the Polynesian influence in the National Rugby League, I, I think... Are we at a stage now for the Clive Churchill medal, which has always been judged by the Australian selectors, where we need to have a Polynesian or New Zealand influence in the Clive Churchill decision-making? What do you think about that? Oh, look, I totally agree. I remember, um, Joel, back in the 2008 World Cup, after the first game, they had given it to, I think it was Darren Lockyer, by half-time, but the panel was all ex-Australian players. <laughs> 
And we, you know, at the yeah. time of the New Zealand Rugby League, said, well, man, that's not very fair. You've got to have at least one Kiwi in a game that's between the two countries helping you to select that that person. So, yeah, look, that significance of the Polynesian in the, in the competition, the National Rugby League competition, the NRL, mate, of course you need to have, a, have an unbiased view and someone, I guess, you know, who understands that maybe there is a Polynesian. What if, what if, what if uh, I know... Nathan Cleary is a four dollar fifty Clive Churchill favourite. Mm. But what happens to the likes of Kikau if he has an absolute barnstormer? Yeah, no, and, and, and let me be very, very clear. I'm, I'm not suggesting there is any bias, but you can naturally, you know, side that way. Uh, look, the, the two examples that stare, if there was to be a Polynesian player or a Kiwi player in recent times who could have won up, well, you know, the, the Roosters won in 2013. Sonny Bill Williams could have easily claimed that particular medal. That went to a player who was later selected to the Australian team, being Daly Cherry, Cherry Evans. And the same applied with Jarawira Hargreaves. Uh, I think it was 2019. And a losing player was Jack White, an Australian selected player. So, um, I, yeah, that's only something I was thinking about. But, but to wrap up the game we're talking about, um, what, what I was going to say is it heavily relies on whether Jerome Hughes plays or not. I'll be tipping the Melbourne Storm. If he doesn't play, I can easily see Kemp in the game. Joel, I was saying to Kempy at the top of the show that uh, all the noise and all the chatter about trades and coaches and sackings and hirings and concussions and suspension, that all stops because now we've got the four best games. And, and at this time of year, how much do we take notice of form and how much do we take notice of pedigree at finals time? Yeah, what, what I take most notice of, boys, is probably the coaches and, and the manner in which they're They've been able to time their run. The last 16 or 17 grand finals, I think you'll find only eight coaches, eight different coaches have won the comp. So for me, that that is the number one factor. So if you're doing your tips and you're sort of 50-50, a little bit undecided as to which way you should go, that would be the final thing I'd be looking at is, okay, which coach do I believe in more when it comes to these big games? Um, experience, and, and, and you know what, boys, I, I actually give, and I'm actually tipping the Sharks to win on Saturday night. However, I'm tipping the Cowboys to potentially win this competition. Reason being, I think Shark Park's going to be an almighty mm. occasion to try and overcome the Cowboys. But, but on paper, if you want to look beyond Penrith, they've got so much experience in, in players who have either played for their state, country, or played in a grand final already. So I wouldn't be discounting the Cowboys. The Sharks are sort of... And and my and I'm not as entrenched in league as you two boys, but they're probably the least talked about side in the playoffs in, in New Zealand. But they finished second for God's sake. Um, are, are they being hyped up over there as a realistic chance to go all the way? No, I don't think so. And, and you're talking about odds before. If you, if you went down the main street in Sydney and said, "Okay, well, who's going to win this competition?" Ninety percent plus would say Penrith. But with your betting markets, etc., they're about two dollars thirty or thereabouts. Which, when when all these betting markets are sort of spitting out numbers, there's percentages behind it. Now, the percentages behind the Panthers has them at a forty-five percent chance of winning the comp, which means a fifty-five percent chance of not winning the comp. So they're more likely not to win the comp according to the markets. Whereas people, half, many people have got them already out of the line. And as I said, ninety of the people would say they're going to win it. And they've already won it, but. I just worry about, they had the week off last week, mm. they get a, 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 a scrappy win against Parramatta, another week off, Cleary's played one game in almost two months, are they a shot duck in that third week? Um, 
So therefore, if you're looking beyond Penrith, who who could get it done? Now, there's a lot of teams that have excuses not to do it. You know, there's no Adam Reynolds this year for South, and they've had some knocks. You know, the Bruce has had a stack of knocks. Melbourne, you know, having lost Welsh and Pappenhausen. So that's why I start to land on a team like the Cowboys. Mm. And you've got the final game, obviously, the Roosters and the Rabbits. So can they do it? They've, you know, seven in a row. Can they do the, the impossible without Joey Manu? Definitely harder. The, the thing is, boys, you just don't know what to read into last week. I remember back in 2009, where it was the final game of the year, and going into the game, the, the Parramatta Eels knew they'd be playing the Dragons at that same venue of Cogra the following week, right? And Daniel Anderson, this lady came out, he said to the Parramatta boys the first week, he said, boys, that's us, do what you want to do this week. If you feel like you need to have a couple of days off, do it. And they basically went in with no game plan, and the Dragons pumped them, I think, by about 30. Then they turned up to training on the Monday, and they said, right, here we go. And then that was the spectacular Jared Hayne game. They bombed the Dragons out. They went on their way to a grand final. So, you know, what was the motivation for South last last week? Were they doing a Parramatta uh, in 2009? I'm, I'm not really quite sure to try and ambush them this week. So, uh, maybe the hardest game to read. I'll actually be calling that for, for SEM, but I, I find it very, very difficult to, to land on, you know, a confident tip in that one. Brilliant, Joel. Um, your time is precious and so is your input, so we thank you for giving up both for us today on Running It Straight, mate. Enjoy the finals, we sure will. No, happy to help out any time, boys. And uh, just a question, for the Kiwi supporters who may be supporting the Warriors who are now out, who would you say that most people are now adopting as their team for the finals? Oh, well, I think I think that's a generational question, Sugar, I think, you know, in my my era is definitely Parramatta because Parramatta going through the yep. 80s with the with the Ray Prices and the Mick Cronins and that, that's the team that we um, that we like. And the other one is definitely Melbourne, mate. I think people are still, I think what people yes. do with, with the connection with the Kiwis in, in Melbourne over the years, the Tawara Nikos, you know, the, the Stephen Kearney's, the Matt Ruiz, um, everyone basically just backs yes. them. Don't forget the... Quinn yep. Pongy is the Johnny Lomaxes, the Sean Hoppies from Canberra as well. Yeah, it's, oh, oh, the Raiders, the Raiders. But yeah, mate, that's I'm I'm a little bit like you. I think Penrith are a little bit underdone, and I and I don't think Ivan, given Hula's players that week off, it might be been a little bit too cute. Um, we would have been better just to get them with a run in. I think um, so. Yeah, maybe it is the Cowboys. That's interesting. Thanks a lot, Joel. Thanks for coming on today. Great to chat, fellas. We'll chat soon. Joel Kane, um, handy player himself, wasn't he? He was a oh, he was, mate. He was yeah, a yeah. clutch player. Yeah, yeah, he was. Kick goals and and nippy and fast and yeah, could play mm. um, and a astute uh, knowledge in and around where you should actually put your money. Yeah, you and know. and when he was talking about, uh, it's just like not many people sing the same tune as me when it comes to odds. Like you see. The reality is, if you see someone at two fifty to win a comp, and then the next favourite is like nine dollars, people think, "Oh, they're a hot favourite." That's a forty percent chance to win. People don't often look at the other side of that sixty percent chance not to. So the yep. more likely not to, and all of a sudden you think, "Oh, okay." But then you've got. Um, I, th- I was just looking before. If a team's paying six dollars, that's a sixteen percent chance to win, right? So eighty four percent chance you won't. 
<laughs> no. So, so it's just trying to find your value on the other side. Well, it's interesting. He's basically said Penrith are underdone. Cowboys, with their experience, he thinks that they could go on and win it. Self's no Reynolds. And the rest of the players and the other teams are, are under an injury cloud. So he, he thinks that injury is going to play a part with the rest of the teams, the Melbournes, the Roosters and Souths and so on. So, are um, we not, See, we're doing it again. Well, you're doing it again. Are we not talking about Cronulla and the Cowboys enough? Because it's all Penrith... Melbourne Roosters seem to be the ones everyone talks about. That well, it's sharks, the sharks mate. You know, because no one's talking about the sharks, and they're going under. They're going under the radar. And All season, got, yeah. Everyone's talking about Nico Hines, but mate, it's Finucane. Mm. It's Finucane who's the X factor there because whenever he's played for the Sharks this year, they have grown another leg, and they do know how to grind out a win because their coach. And you're right, he's, he's, he's right about the coaches. All of those coaches either have come out of premiership winning teams um, or, you know, you look at Fitzgibbon coming out of Sydney City, they won the comp. You look at Brad Arthur, came out of Melbourne, they've won the comp. Ivan, um, Ricky, come out of Sydney City, he's won the comp, you know. And, of course, you've got Peyton down there, he's won the 20s comp, you know. So you've got coaches that actually know how to run through the finals. It's a tough one to pick. That's why this week's such a good a good week of footy because you're probably going to lose two teams that, as anyone's guess, who are they, who are they going to be? I mm. wouldn't put my money on it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, but I can't wait to watch because there will be upsets. There will be upsets. Week one, there will be. All the favourites won't win. And it's trying to figure out which ones, uh, which ones are which. Uh, Dale Finucane, Clive Churchill medal, $90. <laughs> Mate, if they're in the final... Hundred percent, get on now. Mm. If that's what if that's what you like, you think the Sharkies are going to get into the final. Who thinks the Sharkies are going to get in the final? Give us a give us a text on double eight double double three. What would your Clive Churchill pick be out of any of these eight teams? If if one one of those teams, your team, is going to make the final, who do you think your Clive Churchill uh, medal winner is? At the moment, there's a clear favourite, and it's Nathan Cleary at four dollars fifty. Mm. So everyone's everyone's even even the bookies are saying, well, Penrith are going to the final. And he's an injury way away from not even playing in the final. And you know he's going to be a marked man. Not saying they're going to maim him intentionally, but he cops a lot of hits. He's involved. He gets his hands on the ball a lot of times. And I, I don't want to put a hex on anyone, but that's the reality of rugby league. Mm, yeah. And, and you're dead. <laughs> Steffi, you're dead right. The, there's three things that happen here. There's injury, suspension, and referee zero. That's what that's what's going to happen over the over the weekend. Get ready for it. And we're going to we're going to be talking about it on the weekend. Who's going to miss games? Who's the referee that's going to get the sack? And who's who's um, going to get suspended at, at judiciary on Tuesday night? Yeah, fantastic. All right, we are going to take a break. Any questions for Kempi? Remember, we do have the six again segment where I'm going to ask him six questions. He gets six tackles. I don't know if he kicks the last one or whether he runs it on the last. He probably runs it on the last, does Kempi? <laughs> Doesn't like handing over possession. But keep those texts coming in, double eight, double three. We'll take a break for new sport and weather and don't go anywhere because Ray Warren after the break. Uh, well, on Running It Straight today, we've been so privileged to be accompanied on the show with Ray Warren, the famous Rabs, the famous voice of rugby league. Uh, how you been, Rabs? How's things? I'm okay, Tone. Uh, I'm getting used to uh, retirement. Um, in fact, I'm doing it fairly tough, really. Uh, but anyway, I'll get used to it. Yeah. Has it, been, has it been hard to step away, Ray? Have you have you found that part of it where you haven't got to call week in, week out? Oh well, it's it's um, quite emotional, really. Um, you've got to understand, mate. When I was just a little kid, uh, seven years of age, um, I knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a sports commentator, and 
I practiced by rolling marbles down a slope and calling them as racehorses. <laughs> I did that every day of my life until I was about 15. Um, and, um, you know, I was continually impersonating or pretending to be a sports commentator. So I'm telling you that because it all started for me when I was about seven and I was consumed by this dream. Um, and I've, I've retired at 79. So the 72 years of my life uh, were occupied with either dreaming about or pretending to be a sports commentator. So it's a big chunk out of my life. So I obviously I miss it uh, very, very much. Yeah, of course. And and Ray, with, while you're watching the game, so you're sitting back now and actually looking at the football, has it been different to watch the game where you're not calling and do you see more of the game or do you see less of it? Um, I, I probably see less of it. Um, I sit back really. Well, as a commentator, I always used to sit back to enjoy it and then relay my enjoyment um, and my excitement uh, to the audience uh, that might be listening to me. Uh, and it's very much the same. I sit down to enjoy it, but I don't have to worry about uh, pronunciations. Um, I don't have to. I don't have mm-hmm. to worry about the Queen's English and all the rest of it. Um, the, the, that's the major difference. But uh, it, it's quite strange, though, when they they might play one of my one of my Grand Finals or State of Origin tries or whatever. Uh, uh, that sort of sinks in a bit, uh, a bit deeper. Mm. Yeah, d- uh, yeah. Of course, we all love hearing you, Ray. Have you, you know, watching the football this year? Obviously, with the Warriors over here in New Zealand, have you been able to watch them, Ray? Have you got any? Have you got any tips for them? <laughs> I, I no, I haven't got uh, anything to help you with, Tone. Um, <laughs> I. I worry about it, to be honest with you, because I've always been a great supporter of uh, having a New Zealand side um, in in our competition because, to me, um, we, we need to foster international rugby league. And by having a team from Auckland um, in our competition, I, I, I've always supported the theory that that's the way it should be if we're going to help uh, international football. Now, I might be wrong, but I, I, I don't think so. I think I'm right. But it's it's very sad that they haven't been able to to do better than they they have. And worse than that, it, it you know they've been to a couple of grand finals. I, I know that, but they don't seem to go that extra step. Mm. Uh, I don't know whether it's coaching. I don't know whether it's personnel. I, I don't think it's personnel because you've had some some wonderful teams over there. Yeah, over the over the years we've had plenty. We actually just had the reunion of the two thousand and two grand final team, Rabs last weekend. It was good to see the likes of Richard Villasanti and Mark Tukey back from Australia, along with PJ Marsh. What about you, mate? Do you still catch up with the old crew? You still catching up with Stilo and Fatty and and having a pint and a, and a chat about the, the the game currently? No, 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 no. That's uh, that's another thing, I, I guess, Tony. Um, I, I'm a different generation than they are. Um, and even though they were always respectful to me and they used to take the mickey out of me and all the rest of it, uh, 
and give me a hard time. They are dear friends, but um, as I said, I'm in a different generational group. Um, physically, I can't play golf, and they they basically live on the golf course, mm. but they'll always remain, uh, remain very good friends, very good friends. Rebs, have you noticed anything different about the game over the last couple of years, especially um, that has changed in a way that you've thought, you know, like, man, this game's getting quicker or it's getting tougher. What, what's your thoughts on the current status of the game? Well, uh, I've, I've got a, a sneaking fear that we might be trying to make it uh, quicker than it needs to be. Um, the six again, um, for instance, uh, even as a commentator, um, I, I didn't know 50% of the time. I had no idea what that was for. Um, and it's all in the quest to make the game quicker um, and, and to eradicate the wrestle. Um, I, I, I understand the meaning of all that, but I, I, I am a little bit concerned that it, it um, is, we're trying to make it faster than it needs to be. Um, on the question of toughness, uh, nobody ever uh, uh, can, can say to me that it, it's gone soft uh, because what's changed over, over many, many years um, are, are things to do with the legal profession and the insurance companies. And if you don't show due diligence and care as a director, uh, or administrator of the game, then you yourself can be liable. And mm. people don't understand, you know, the spear tackle, the punch, uh, the, the cannonball tackle, uh, the hip drop, all of these things that are seen as really dangerous. Um, they can be challenged in court in time to come, and you've only got to look for the proof of that with what's happened in American football. They've paid out a billion dollars basically because the administrators didn't show due diligence. Uh, mm. The game mightn't look as tough, uh, and I don't think it's tough anyway, hitting somebody in the jaw with an elbow or biting somebody's ear off. I don't think that's tough at all. I think that's cowardly, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree. And, the, and of course, perhaps we've got the finals starting this weekend. Is it the Panthers to lose? What's your thought on the final series? Well, the first thing I want to say to you, Tony, I, I can't I can't go along with um, playing at your home ground if you've earned the right, particularly mm. if you're going to lock 50,000 people out of the ground. Um, I'd almost be prepared to bet really good money that Parramatta and Penrith, you couldn't play at a Combank here in Sydney in Parramatta because it's not there. It's not their right to have the home ground. But I would have thought it would have been a wise move to play it at the Olympic Stadium because I think you'd get 70,000 there. Mm. But because they've locked in this business about uh, you earn the right to play the first weekend of the finals on your home ground, uh, Penrith Stadium will only take 22,000. Um, 22, so... I would have thought they would have been better off transferring that match. Um, and, and somehow, but see, the, the game doesn't belong to Penrith. It belongs to the NRL from this weekend onward. But um, they're at home, Penrith, to answer your question about football. Um, they're at home. They're a wonderful side. And 
My young bloke called their third grade side. If you remember correctly, they they pulled their first grade side out last weekend. So the reserve grade side went up to be the first grade side, and the third grade side went up to be the second grade. Yeah. And my young fella was calling the game, and um, I said to him, "My God, how are you how are you going to know these these faces?" You know, it's it's impossible. But anyway, he got through it. But I was reminded to come to the point that uh, they've got such depth. Yeah. They're, they're oozing with depth. And, and I think you know it's it's uh, the nursery of so many junior football clubs. It's not funny. And with that comes depth. And I think with that commodity, uh, that, that's how you win football. And I think they'll be... I think they'll be premiers again. Yeah, pretty tough to beat. I, I agree with you. Just before I let you go, Rebs, I've just started on my commentary journey here with SENZ. Have you got any tips for me? <laughs> are you doing co-commentary? I mean, are you doing colour or are you doing play-by-play? I'm doing co-commentary at the moment, so not not good okay. enough yet to step into your shoes. <laughs> Danny, uh, you're a modest fellow. Um, I... I I've never done co-commentary, to be honest with you, mate, because uh, I was a pretty ordinary footballer, to tell you the truth. (laughs) And co-commentators are normally, formally very good footballers, and you're an example of that. But uh, I think the viewers expect you to basically have a a strong opinion about players' performances and the the tactics of coaches, uh, don't over-talk it, though. I mean, I always used to say to Andrew Johns when he first started, you know, mate, if you haven't got anything to say, then, then say nothing. Don't, don't don't talk for the sake of talking. Um, the other job, the play-by-play commentary, well, my simplest uh, piece of advice to commentators is light and shade. In other words, if the crowd's excited, you're excited. If they're not, then you you don't need to be screaming your lungs out. So yeah. there's a quick snapshot of uh, <laughs> of advice. rugby league commentary, mate. Yeah, great advice. Hey, Rebs, it's been a, been a pleasure talking to you today, mate, and I'm I'm glad you're enjoying life after footy, uh, life after commentary, and thanks a lot for joining us this afternoon on Running It Straight. Well, I'm not really enjoying it, mate, but <laughs> I, I I'm hoping I will one day, and uh, it's lovely to talk to you. Uh, text come in saying what an absolute coup getting the legendary Ray Warren on. He's my childhood and my adulthood. There's some very good callers around, but none can ever replicate what Ray Warren had. Uh, the voice, that voice, the passion, the horrendous quips, the camaraderie and obvious brotherhood he had with his co-callers, Fatty Vorton and Sturlo. All the best Rabs. There will never be another like you. It's, you just, it does take you, it, for so many people, it just takes you straight to an origin game, straight to a test match, straight to a grand final, and he's an absolute gent. You've met him in the flesh. Is he a ge- the gentleman he uh, sounds? You know, you see him on telly, and a lot of people don't realise this, and they think, man, this Ray Warren, you know, like what a legend, and you never get next to him because he's got that status, just, just like Jared just said with his text. But he's actually a really cool dude, mate. You know, like I've had fish and chips with him under a palm tree up in North Queensland. Wow. So you know he's got a he's got a mate up in North Queensland. He, he goes and gets his fish and chips from, and this was before the Kiwis played the Kangaroos back in two thousand eleven. And he said, "Come, you want a chip?" 
And we just sat down and chewed the fat. Like, mate, he'd, you know, walking around in his jandals, just like, you know, well, I don't like shoes, so. Um, <laughs> Hence the bare feet today. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's just a, he's, you take the commentary thing away and he's just a really good bloke, you know. And talking to him today, you know, you forget that he's nearly 80. Mm. You know what I mean? He, like he said when he was doing the oh. interview, he's been doing this since he was seven, so he's been doing it for 72 years, calling marbles and making the marbles as out there were horses. That's how he started off, and then for 72 years he ended up doing that as a job. So, you know, it's um, I thought a, a real great get to, to get Rabs on today. I just wanted to talk to him about football too because, you know, I wanted to know whether he saw more or saw less, mm. and he said, "I see less." Mm. You know, so he was such a astute caller, and and the, and they haven't. I, I agree, they haven't got anyone as good a, good as him. I don't know when that person's going to come around because we're, we're, we're replaceable, and there's always another person coming. Um, but at current at the moment, currently, uh, I miss Rebs. I miss his calls. Yeah, I do too. Grand final, especially. Yeah. You know, so it's it's not going to be the same for the next few years without having Rabs call their grand final. Yeah, because you know you have the anthem, you have the welcome to country, you have the flags. Next thing you want to hear is Ray Warren, and it's not happening. And it's it's losing the icing off the cake, isn't it? It is. It, it is. is. All right, you're on running it straight. Thanks to Gulp for fueling our missions, kicking off at twelve every day. We're going right through to four, and they're supporting running it straight, which is. Great news, gold.nz, find out how you can fuel your mission with your nearest outlet. That's where they all are. We will take a break and we'll come back after that. Fueling your mission all year round. Just like that. Have your say on the great game of rugby league. 0800 150 811. This is Running It Straight on SENZ. Yes, uh, running it straight, Mark Stafford, and for Sammy Hewitt, who's taking a well-earned break. So what do they do? They give us two hours of running it straight, uh, which is going to give us plenty of time. Um, in the next hour, you're welcome to ring us, put a question to Kempe if you like, on 0800 150 and always happy to take your texts on 8833, which is the Temper Bed Post text machine. Uh, questions in for six again. Um, six of the best questions, but given that we've got an extra hour, uh, Kempi, we can cover a lot more ground, which I'm looking forward to. We might even have time to fill in two sets of six, you know, get a repeat set. Hundred percent, yeah. and so happy we've got an extra hour on the on the show because now we can talk a, a little bit more in depth about some some of the stuff that's going on. I know you've got some questions to ask today, but also we we can answer some of the questions. Um, without having to rush through them when, when people are sending in their messages, you know. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's, uh, we do have a text saying, oh, it's, it started early. Yeah, it started early, Chris, because we've got an extra hour. We're going two hours on running it straight uh, for the next four weeks, right through the final series, which is just oh, magic. Unbelievable. Just yep. magic. And, jeez, uh, we might even push for it during the World Cup as well because that's going to be... That's going to be scintillating. Fiji have just named their team, actually, which we'll get into in the second hour. Um, you know, World Cup's not far away. We'll be so entrenched in the final series of the NRL. And then, hello, it's the World Cup. Can I come in? Mate, and, they're, and they're already putting their teams together. And, yeah. and I've just found out today that the Kiwis actually are grouping in, in Sydney for a week beforehand. So oh. for those players that have just finished the season that are going to the World Cup, well, mate, they'll get one week off mm. before the, the, the World Cup ends in sometime in November. 
Text us through, double eight, double three. any questions for six again, and we're happy to take your calls in the next hour. We'll take a break for news. We'll be right back. Gull, fueling your mission all year round. Your home for everything rugby league. This is Running It Straight with Tony Kemp and Sam Hewitt on SENZ. Oh, that is rugby league. Sounds like Kempy's bought the MP3 player and put it straight into Robbie's desk to play the tunes, Kempy. Good tunes, Robbie. The yeah. backpack. He's back. <laughs> uh, you're on Running It Straight in association with Gull. They fuel your mission all year round. Go to gull.nz for your nearest outlet. Uh, great price on the fuel there. Fuels me. Fuels my Toyota, actually. I don't, I don't drink it. Don't drink it yourself. Jeez. Um, some really good questions have come in, Kempi, but I just, you know, we heard from Joel Kane, and uh, which was a fantastic chat. You can listen back on the uh, SENZ app for that. Uh, we we, we semi-rushed through because he's a man that's very, very busy. I just wanted to pick your brains about them one at a time. Just, we've heard Joel's feelings on them, your feelings. You touched on the fact that Penrith have rested. Ivan Cleary had no hesitation in resting all of the big kahunas. Um but taking on Parramatta is a is a big old ask. Yeah, it is, and a, and not only a big old ask, but Parramatta have the wood on Penrith at the moment. So I, I get with Joel with what he's saying. You know, it's going to be a close one. He, he he's looked at the statistics; only four points in all those games. And I think it will be like that. I I just think with the week off that Penrith have had, and is it goes one of two ways, or well, it generally goes one way? See. It's either that they needed a break or he's thinking he's giving them a break so that they can come on come on really fresh because a week off in football, especially around this time of year when you're going into finals, is, is good a rehabilit, um, rehabilitating because of all the little niggly injuries. You know, that's really what you get. But it can also backfire. And, and, you, and, and I've seen that happen before where you've rested players and you come back and they're not as in sync with when they left you leave the, the grind. The, that's right. And if you have a look at what happened, especially with the Cowboys, you know, that was really important. They played that second team, Penrith, last week, and they were slick. You know, they would have got a lot of confidence out of it. Even, even though they were a second team structure um, playing against the, a, a hot Cowboys team, they still got they still got tailed up. So I'm, I'm just thinking, like Joel against Par- Parramatta, that they're a little bit underdone. And if Parramatta was going to get them, it would be this game. Mm. Um you look at Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses, the way that they're playing. They've got they've got a decent forward pack. You know, Junior Paul and, and Regan uh, Campbell Gillard uh, just been named in the Fijian team. With Reed Mahoney is a decent front row, big back rowers. You know, Isaiah Popoli and you know both ex Warriors with Sean Lane. Um, you don't I don't know if you remember that, but Sean Lane came over from big Canterbury. Big tall chap, big tall chap, and and he got he goes all right. And Ryan Madison is you know if you can't remember was touted not only for Origin but he's liked. By Mel Meninga for the Australian side as well, so they got they got a they got a really good mix. Parramatta, 
I think Dylan Brown, like, he is our number six for the Kiwi team. He's only going to get better. You know, it's, there's, there's things that he's doing on a football field now that you go, man, in two years' time, this kid is probably going to be the best 5'8 in the competition. Wow. You know? Big um, reps. Yeah, and, and, and on the other side of the, the coin there, you've got Nathan Cleary coming back with five weeks out. So he's fit. He's a halfback. Mm. You know, he, but he will be breathing hard. Things won't be as in sync as he's used to because he's, you know, he's he, yeah, he's training with a side. But it's totally different once you get out there and you're you're in the um, the heat of the battle. And I think what you'll see on f- Friday night is you'll see a heavy game on Nathan Cleary. You'll you every kick he'll get tackled. Mm. All right, they'll make, hard. Well, they'll make him get up off the ground. Though Parramatta, I, I personally think that what Brad Arthur will do is he's going to aim his game down Cleary's side. So he'll go down Cleary's side, he'll make him tackle a lot. When he's got the ball and he take taking it to the line, they'll make sure they put him down and make him get up off the ground because they'll know later on in the game if they can stay close, then Cleary's going to get really tired because he's been out of it for a while. So I'm actually picking the Eels mm. in this one. A lot of people are, actually. And and also, you know, you know if the Eels win... The other qualifying final, so the other teams with a life, is the Sharks and the Cowboys. Um, but actually, I meant to ask you, if whoever loses Panthers-Eels, is it Storm Raiders that gets the loser? That's right. The winner is. So yep. does that affect the way the Storm and the Raiders play when they know the result of that one? Uh, no, it doesn't because they, they've got to play. It's, a, it's sudden death. Mm. So you're out. You can't, you can't change. Right you can't change. Right from get-go. Yeah, you've got to, you know, when you finish outside the four, that's why it's so hard to win it from outside the four because you've got to be up every single week. And But if, let's say, Penrith lose or even Parramatta lose, Melbourne, Melbourne, I think, will possibly get Canberra, even though they Canberra have beaten them those, those four times down in Melbourne. Um, I, I just think that if Jerome Hughes plays, then, then Melbourne get it. Um, then I think they go the next week and I think they... They probably get the, the the Panthers or the Eels the next week, mm. so it's a real it's a real tough one to pick. Um, but looking at the Sharkies, the Cowboys, the 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 following night on the Saturday night, man, what a game! And and the only way I've gone for the Sharkies is because it's home ground advantage, you know. And it's it's actually quite a, a a long trip for the Cowboys, you know. So you've got to fly into Brisbane, then you've got to fly down to Sydney, you know. There's lots of um, travel. You've got to get out to Cronulla. You got to go to training. You know you're outside of your bed. You know, and the home ground advantage, but being st- in that first week, being stable, sitting at home, um, being in your own bed, being used to your own training ground, and the way that Cronulla and, and Fitzgibbon have got them prepared to get in the grind and grind wins out this year, mate. That's what finals football is all about, and that's the that's the grinding game. So. I and that's think, the one percenters they talk about, isn't it? Well, that's where Dale Furnican comes into his own. Mm. You know what I mean? So he'd been there, done that plenty of times. He, he said, Craig Bellamy's given this guy the ultimate accolade. He said it every – and he's had some great players. And he said he's the one guy that I would p- pick in my team. First, yeah. first, first name on the sheet. So you give that – That's you can see why Fitzgibbon's gone so hard after him to get him. Um, because he wants him in this game. He's got a team that can get him here, but he wants Dalf, um Fanukin in this game because he can lead this team on a charge to the finals. Mm. You touched on uh, Storm getting over the top of the Raiders. Um, I don't know why. I just feel like the Raiders, 
and again, I, I'm not a student of the game like you are, but I love form, I love momentum in any sport, in any sport. And, and recent form is, is important. And they've fought and they've battled their way. Uh, they won't lack inspiration from their head coach, that's for sure. Um, are they a smoky chance? Look, I've always said that when you're going to win a grand final, you you look at the spine. And generally the, the team, if you look at Penrith's spine, well, you know, like Dylan Edwards would walk into any international team. Uh, you know, it's just, a, it's just a problem that fullback in the NRL – they cover half of your backline in New South Wales and Queensland Origin, you know what I mean, <laughs> if you're playing fullback. And, and unfortunately, he's probably fifth or sixth on the list. But if you look at, apart from him, Luai, Cleary and Uppy, man, they've got a, they got a decent spine. And, and the same with the, the, the Cowboys and also um, the Sharkies. With, with Canberra, the young boy Fog, um, Fogarty that's come down from the Gold Coast and Jack Whiten generally, you know, is if Jack Whiten's on, they'll go. They'll go okay. He rested last week. He's back this week. Um, but I, I just can't see the you know Zach Wolford at hooker doing what Harry Grant can do, for instance, for Melbourne. Um, and I know that Jerome Hughes has been out injured. Does Jerome Hughes play? Because if you look at their spine, Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes, Cam Munster. There's no Peppenhausen. But I was really surprised when we had Melbourne play the Warriors here. How good Nick Meaney was. Mm. I didn't rate him. You know, and that night he was probably the best player on the football field, if you remember um, our commentary. And I think Nick Meaney's sort of been their unsung hero down in Melbourne this year. And if Peppenhausen's in there, mate, they shorten right up. You know, they, that that spine doesn't get beat. Um, but a couple of questions over that game: Yes, Canberra can get him. I, I'm not saying they can't. I think if Jerome Hughes plays, I don't think they have enough um, in their spine to do what Melbourne can do to them. And then the rare occurrence of um, the Roosters and the Rabbits played last week and they play again this week. Uh, the Silver Tails, uh, a team that if you don't support them, you generally hate them. It's sort of manly in the Roosters, isn't it? The full foul of the neutral fan. Um, looking forward to that matchup too, Kempi. Yeah, look, I'm going with the Roosters because I'm going with a coach in this one. Yeah, I don't think uh, the coach really has the knowledge in the finals for South Sydney. Like, if you watch the South, the South Sydney Roosters game last week, they'd done a job on Latrell Mitchell. Like, they chased him down. Every time he, carry, he carried the ball, they got stuck into him. I think Warrior Hargraves at the moment is playing back to that form that got him to a grand final and won it. Um, and I just think that, you know, he's timed his run right, Trent, Trent Robinson, and he knows now... Um, how to win grand finals and what to do in these in these weeks. And I think if, if anyone out of the eight, um, aside from Melbourne, that can really continue their run, it's it's Sydney City. Mm. You know, so um, it's really hard to pick. Like, mate, you, you dream about, like, in the first week of finals, you yourself playing Sydney City. Like, you couldn't have picked it. <laughs> you know, they're, they're basically you throw a rock across it, across the road to each other in, in, in Redfern, where, where, the, where the stadium is. You know, it's both their home. I know there's been the talk about the home ground advantage. Well, it's actually, they both live there. One lives on the eastern side and one lives on the, in the CBD. Um, and to have them playing there, they like I said, you take that to the Olympic Stadium, they fill it. You know, with with a, with, with ninety thousand people. So, uh, Damien Cook again. There's no Reynolds, and I think Lachlan um, Ilias has really been a bit part player this year. I was expecting more from him. Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell, yeah, but I think Trent Robinson has worked out how to stop South, and they stopped Latrell Mitchell. They stopped South. Mm.
All right, uh, we're going to take a break. On the other side of that, we're going to go inside the tent. I want to quiz Kempi on something that I've been puzzled about, something he's talked about a lot, but I want him to expand on it, and it's that word. I'm not a big fan of the word, but I understand what it means, and the word is pathway. How? Why don't they work in New Zealand? What should they look like? How expensive? The whole shebang. He talks about it a lot, but I want him to explain it to me, and therefore you. Um, we'll be back after a break doing that. Some cruising music too. Okay, ponder this, Kempi. I listen to the brief show. I listen to Running It Straight, and um, you're always uh, observant and sometimes critical of, and so are the listeners and uh, Warriors fans about player retention. There's no pathways. There's no academies. Now I know how rugby works reasonably well. Like there's schoolboy rugby. Good players go to academies. Um, there's good age group tournaments, competitions, talent ID. Uh, there's club rugby, you know, still a pretty good club rugby structure through New Zealand. And then you can progress to um, MPC, Super Rugby, All Blacks, um, occasionally New Zealand Māori play, um, Defence Forces play. There's, there's a whole lot of infrastructure around rugby. Now, rugby got money and can do that. Probably still not enough. But you're always talking about pathways in rugby league. They're not there and we keep seeing these amazing Kiwis playing NRL and there's truckloads of them and we can't seem to retain them. We can't even seem to identify them. Tamari Martin's probably the best example in recent times. I mean, he wasn't even a youngster. He was playing code down in Hamilton and he was let to go. Tell me what a good New Zealand rugby league pathway looks like. It. I know it's a big all-encompassing question, but so what's not happening and what not what should happen, but what could happen? Well, the first thing, you know, you're talking about development, yeah? Now, I'll give you an example of why there are really no pathways in New Zealand. So last week they have the New Zealand secondary schools down at Rotorua, yep. Every NRL club was there. Uh, Daniel Anderson was there. Well, I had, I had a beer with Dan old Friday, you know what I mean, to tell me about all these kids that he's, you know, been able to get his hands on and and how easy it is and we talked a bit about because we both love the Warriors we're coaching them and you know how do we stop that and and it's just around he's doing a better job than they are because he's allowed to do that and there's a there's a number of reasons why that is allowed to happen okay so you can't go into Sydney and do that like you've got these certain areas where clubs actually have their areas, Penrith, for instance, where they develop their areas, they got their high it's performance fenced off from other clubs. Yes, yes, basically. But the, the thing is, they actually know what they're doing, and they do their job, and they make sure they get their eyes around the kids, and they go and get those kids, and they put them in an academy, and they develop them. Yeah. So you see that. So you see, in their first grade side, players come out, players come in, and they still win games. All right. So they they're the benchmark of that. Melbourne are the benchmark. So you got on the other side, you got Melbourne lives down in Melbourne. All right, they don't have rugby league competitions like like Brisbane and Sydney. Yet they've been able to develop their players. You who would have thought Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, Cameron Smith retire, and they end up with Jerome Hughes, <laughs> Cameron Munster, and Peppenhausen. Mm. You know what I mean? Let alone Harry Grant. Wasn't by accident. You know what I mean? Then of course you've got Harry Grant and Brandon Smith. You know they're a development club. So what happens in New Zealand is we don't know how to do it properly, but we're not helped at all. So you've got the NRL that allow it to happen. That's the first cab off the rank, is to get to the NRL and stop it from happening. 
So you shouldn't be able to come into this country and pillage the ranks at will. Now, and I'll use the Sydney City one. They do it with ex-warrior players. See, so I don't blame him for doing it at all, you know, because he's given a young Kiwi kid an opportunity to go and earn a contract and make a living out of rugby league. So is what should be happening for us. We shouldn't be missing those good kids. But they got a development model that they're good at identifying, but they use warrior people to do it. What you should be doing is how are you doing it that we should be using those same blokes because they can pick them and we should be inviting them back into our club. But there's a, no, there's a number of problems that we have here. So we don't have the support of the NRL. We don't have an NZRL that's worth any salt because they don't create pathways, they create tournaments. So we don't have under-20s competitions, but we'll have an under-25 week tournament, you know, where they advertise for players to come and play for them. Advertise. So it'll be on a Facebook page, hey, come and, come and trial, play in the national tournament for under-20s. And that's not a pathway. Yep. So numbers, Staffy, to let you know, there's between 500,000 kids every year that go to Australia to play. So what Ando or whoever from every other club does is they've got relationships all around the country and that in itself is how you develop players because they're talking to the right people but they take them from this country and then they put them in a pathway which is competitions in Australia and Queensland New South Wales have both of those. So Melbourne and teams that aren't playing in, in Sydney and in Melbourne, they have teams up in Brisbane in the competition. So that's where the Cam Smiths and the and the Munsters and all that came through that competition and they fill, fill their team. Well, see, in New Zealand, we don't have those competitions. We don't have age group competitions. We have club... Co- Auckland's the biggest um, district in the, in the country. And this is the other problem, is that the structure of the NZRL with the zones is not supported by the districts. So there's 15 districts, yeah? But there's seven zones. <laughs> And it's the districts that run the football, but they get no support or recognition about how to do this from the national body. And it's just a, it's a cluster. Is, you know, it, is it easy to fix? Well, because it sounds there's costly a process to fix. That they can fi- there's a process that can, you can go through to fix it. Because in New Zealand, we have had decent pathways, you know, and we can create competitions. You know, like, um, we created one in 2002, so the Stuzy Flag, Harold Matthews, those are the two names for under-16, under-18s competition in Australia. Now, to take teams to Australia is really expensive to play, you know, so you, it's, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big effort. Mm. You know, close to a million dollars to take a team over there for a year. Well, in 2002, what we thought with, well, we don't have a million dollars, how much money can we raise by the way, can't we create a different type of competition here at under-16s and under-18s, working with the districts and filtering most of the good kids through the big districts can filter them into a competition over the same period of time. And out of that competition, and I continually talk about this, we get Sonny Bill Williams, Manu Vatave, Thomas Luluai, Ipalami Luaki, um, Jerome Ropati, Simon Mannering, Ben Mataleno, Russell Packer, Isaac Luke, and the list goes, Thomas Perinara, and the list goes on and on. They all come out of that comp. But there's three things that need to happen here. Uh, there's three organisations that need to help make this happen. Auckland Rugby League, New Zealand Rugby League, and the Warriors. And unfortunately, we can't sit down around the table and get the job done. 
So it's not as e- it's not as easy as just saying, well, you know, you're doing a you're, that's your job now, go and do it because they don't they don't do it. They don't know how to do it, and they rely on a structure that doesn't su- support the game because the districts actually want the game back. If we went and work with them then what you do is you remove the 15 other franchises that are coming to each one of those districts and taking your best kids. So it's like me, for instance. Okay, I ended up in Newcastle. Now, there was no warriors around that time, but Newcastle had built a relationship with a, with a talent recruitment manager in Wellington by the name of Ken Laban. Hmm. And Ken Laban told them, there's this kid down here, his name's Tony Kemp from Taranaki, playing for Randwick. When you come and sign Sam, you should actually sign him as well because he can play. Yeah, so that night they signed Sammy Stewart at the Hut Rec, they got me in and they signed me as well. Now, that has been, like, it's not something that's happened overnight. That's 30 years ago. Mm. So you can imagine now what you've got is you've got all these people, the same thing in clubs and and districts here, associated with clubs within the NRL and relationship managers there, and they're going, who know, because they're the ones that are working on the ground with the kids, you need to sign Mark Stafford because he, he can play. And I know for a fact that they don't even come here now. They re, they rely. So you've got an ex-Warrior player who says, I'm telling you right now, this kid can play. And they say, sign him. Yeah. Because the, the, the way that players and talent ID has developed is that mate, most of them know what they're talking about because they've worked with those people, you know. So... I hope that one day we can fix it. I want, really want the Warriors to be successful, but they have to develop a model here that actually gets outside of their little circle. They have to go and get in. And I've said this to the Warriors, you've got to get in the fight. You know, I remember, the, I remember this, having this conversation with Mel Meninga when I was doing high performance for the national body. Jason Tomalon, I got a phone call from Peter Badel up in the Courier Mail from Brisbane. He said, mate, Mel Meninga's just flown into Townsville last night. He's convinced Jason Tomalolo to play for Queensland. And I've had him in the Junior Kiwis. So I've jumped on a plane. I've gone to Jim Doyle and said, mate, I've got to get to North Queensland. <laughs> phoned, up, phoned up Jason Tomalolo's parents, said, oh, can I meet you at the hotel tonight? They said, yep. We could. I said, I've heard you talk to Mel. They went, yep, we, could, we want our son to play for Queensland. So I fly in there the next night, and we're talking, and I just look at Jason. I say, who do you want to play for? And he went, New Zealand. Done. So he plays for New Zealand. Now he's playing for Tonga. Mm. You know what I mean? But... The, the, the point I'm making is you just can't keep continue to allow it to happen. Mel Meninga? What, because he's Mel Meninga? No, he's our kid. The kid grew up in Manarewa, played all of his junior football here in South Auckland. He's eligible for the Kiwis, you know, first and foremost. But that's the problem that we have, is that we're continually fighting against other people. Um, or that, not fighting. And, well, yeah, that's that's more to the point. We've lost the fight mm. for those for those players, and if you look at the, it's a reverse model at the moment. We have no developer in New, in New Zealand, so if you look at the Kiwis, how many of them come from the Warriors? One, Dallin, because they've all been developed through Australian structures. Mm. Stick, stay there. There's a couple more points I want to get to. Um, text double eight double three. Tampa Bay Post text machine. Any questions for Kempe? We're still going to do uh, six again uh, before the end of the show, but New Sport Weather will be back with Kempe after this.
Uh, you're back on Running It Straight, thanks to Gull. They are fueling your mission all year round. Kempi, I've just been trying to wrap my head around that number you chucked at me, 500 to 1,000 kids leaving New Zealand per annum and being put into secondary schools by Australian rugby league clubs. That's about 30 to 40 kids per club from New Zealand going to schools. How do you compete with that? Well, the first thing is to get in the fight. Mm. And try and try and find a way to keep them here in New Zealand. Like the attrition rate is pretty high. Some of it is organic too, you know, because parents want to go over there and live in Australia. That's mm. that's just how Kiwis, you know, that's all what they've always done. So they they take their kids over there. But a lot of them, because there are no pathways here, so we've got no schools competition. I think out of out of uh, in Auckland, we've got eleven team competition at schools, but we don't have high school competitions like rugby union. We still have the issue of rugby union not allowing rugby league to be played in high schools. Um, and kids want to play rugby league. And they have really good competitions in, in Sydney and Queensland. And then they've got the Australian schoolboys, who's a, who's a separate entity again, that take their kids and tour of the UK and tour New Zealand. And, and, and it's a, if you look at the old Australian schoolboy teams, generally that pathway is straight into an Australian Kangaroo team that they've all played Australian schoolboys, so um, yeah, it's a it's a massive number, Staffy, and and it's been a, a you know no one's been able to cure it. Can we afford it in New Zealand to get in the fight? Well, it's a it's a it's a reverse model because it's actually helping the Kiwis. Mm. Now you got to think about you got to think about it this way. Unlike the All Blacks, where we've got development, so okay, so the All Blacks have got a development. Pathway, like you said, and they've got all these schools competitions and under these age competitions and so forth. Yet they sit number four on the list. They've just jumped up a spot. The Kiwis have nothing. Yet they'll probably go into the World Cup, ranked number one, mm. with their team. But none of them, apart from Dallin Watani Zelezniak, who was 18th man this year, and arguably the best team we've had for decades, came out of the Warriors. All developed in Australia, the Kiwis team. That's exactly right. <laughs> so Joey Manu is a prime example. He picked up out of Tokoroa. I'll just have this conversation. Joey Manu, Dylan Brown came out of rugby, and uh, Fisher Harris, arguably the three best players we've got, yeah, with Jerome Hughes. But they've been picked up, dropped in school systems there and developed. I, went, I remember talking to Latrell Mitchell and Joey Manu in their house at Sydney City because it was run by a Kiwi couple. Carmen and Spence. And I was in Sydney at the time, and they said, can you come and talk to the boys? So I went in there. <laughs> Here's Latrell Mitchell, his brother Shaquille, um, Joey Manu, uh, um, uh, Tokyo Oho from the front rower, and the big boxing kid. You know, the, his father was a boxer. I can't, I can always, always forget his name. But here's this development of, of the next generation superstars that are actually being developed through their age group competitions into this Sydney city side that went out and won a grand final. You know what I mean? So that's that's the problem that we got, Steph. And, and can we fix it? Yeah, I think we can, but it's going to take a real concerted effort from everybody. But the first step is to get into the NRL. See, this is what I would be... So let's talk about the Warriors saving the game for three years. Perfect timing. Mm. So you know you're not bringing games here. I don't want you to bring games here. Just stop people from coming here. <laughs> Give us first bite of the cherry. Yep. And see if we can create a system that actually gets the best kids across the country. And that's the other thing that we don't do well because the relationships with the other clubs are far stronger in the districts 
than they are with the Warriors. Good point. Well made. I'm pleased I've uh, educated myself. Um, we are going to have a break. We're going to leave a decent amount of time to get to your questions on the text machine, the Temper Bedpost text machine. Do appreciate your questions. We have got room for a couple more. Um, we'll get to those. Uh, it is six again right after the break. Fueling your mission all year round. Just like that. Hard-hitting analysis of one of the greatest games on earth. We're talking rugby league. This is Running It Straight on SENZ. That's six again. Six again. Yes, six again. Still a chance. You've got a couple of minutes to text in a question for Kempe. I'll put them to him on your behalf. Double eight, double three. the Temper Bear Post text machine. It's time for the first. Hey! Tackle one, Kempi. Can you talk about the disgraceful two-match suspension handed down to the Penrith player, uh, Taylor May, which he gets to serve at the start of next season? It's absolute BS and sets a dangerous precedent. I couldn't imagine a Warriors or a Kiwi player getting such plush treatment. Well, I guess Isaac Luke and Johnny Lomax, two Kiwis that come to mind, both missed the grand final because of suspension. Like, they didn't get it. You know, and if you think you're going to allow people to play in finals football, as is the case for Taylor May. Um, I feel sorry for those guys. You know, I think it's stupidity how you can hand someone a suspension and tell him he doesn't have to serve it. How can they explain that? I have no idea. Look, to be honest, I I don't know whether it's an error, whether it's it's some type of legal issue. Um, But I thought that if you've handed down a suspension, then if you're playing football, then you're suspended. You know what I mean? They, you, you can't pick, and the, the precedent is right. Like now you're going to have because the reason they do the judicial stuff and the way they do it is because they're always challenged legally. Now you're going to have people going and say, "Well, if you suspend me, can we put it into next year?" Yeah, because I need that player next week. And then you watch; they'll count it as preseason games. Hundred. Well, that one we always argue: mm. can we count them as preseason games? The other one is: can we count them as internationals? Because when they run through the World Cup. And Taylor May gets picked for Samoa, say for argument's sake. So he misses the first two round games. Penrith get him back with a clean sheet, you know. And they'll, they'll no doubt argue that one as well. So I don't know why they, to, you know, if you ask me the question, why did they do that, man? I have no idea. Mm, that is tackle one. That's two. Get off him. Two. Interesting question here. Who does Kempe think is best placed to referee the grand final? I almost think it's more important who's in the bunker. Yeah, well, look, you think Ashley Klein, but he you know, got got dropped a couple of times. And I think if you look at the two games this week, Adam G and Gerard Sutton have got the, the top four games. Um, they'd have to be leading Ashley Klein at the moment to get the big games, especially the one on Friday night, which is basically the game of the round, Penrith and and the Eels. So I think I think Jared Sutton will go close to, 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 to doing the grand final. But any one of them could. And 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 like I said to you before, it's gonna come down to three things injury, suspension, and referee error. One of them makes an error, they're out. Mm. Good point. Good point. Tackle three uh, comment on the World Cup here. Chris has said uh, the Fiji Bati have named their uh, their team for the World Cup. How do you think they will go? Uh, I've had a quick squiz at it. Jeepers. Origin players, lots of NRL players. Good side. A very good side. Good front row. Good front row. Um, good back row. The only problem, they, and they've always had this, is around their halves. You know, so 
Yep, I think they'll be very competitive. I think this is the most competitive World Cup that we will see, that we've ever ever been able to watch. I think any one of maybe five teams are a chance. Six, if you throw Fiji in, you're looking at obviously the Poms, you've got the Kangaroos, you've got us, you've got Tonga, you've got Samoa, by all accounts, who are going to have some great players decide not to play for Australia. You've got Fiji, who've just named their side, and I think Fiji on the back of it um, probably won't be as competitive because of the halves. Mm. So I think great team. Big, big man, fast. I mean, got to remember, they've already they've beaten the Kiwis before as well. That's four, get back, four. Um, a comment about the Warriors here. Uh, Kempi, um, Robati and Ratuva will leave the club without a single NRL minute between them, despite two years invested into each of them. Neither were on big salaries, but were they wasted signings for the Warriors? Well, no, not if you understand the 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 can um, the conditions that they had to had to play under through COVID. You know, they they couldn't put players through the second grade team. Cam George told us all about that when he came on and spoke to us the last time on the show. And they needed the depth of players to cover injuries and dispel dispel while they were over in Australia. So they're always going to be a big culling at the end of this year and a rebuild and a reset. Um, And it's been reported that 15 players have been released already. So... You know, they've got some decent players coming next year in Barnett, um, Nukori, you know, I, I think that uh, our mate up in Brisbane, Tamari to, to Martin, he plays 5-8 next year while they didn't sign Dejanasi because Dejanasi and, and Murchie are, are, are gone too, you know. So um, I don't think it's about wasting their talent. I just think the conditions over the COVID period meant that we were carrying players that, you know, we were always going to be cold. Mm. Uh, Uncle Kempe, you've said for weeks that Joey Manu will be in the halves. He's the trump card for the Roosters for the finals, and now he's injured. Do you still think the Chooks can get to the final? I backed them to make the final five weeks ago. Oh, well, that's why I said to Joel, you know, is the Joey Manu factor rule out the Roosters, even though they've had this great run? Look, I think I think Trent Robinson... Um, has his team firing. I think he's got him going at the right time. I just Joey Manu is worth points. You know what I mean? And I I honestly, when you watch him play fullback for the Kiwis and then then he's put him in at five eight for a game, because he can't put Tedesco anywhere else. Mm. He can't put Joey Manu at fullback. You know, um, but you can put him at five eight. And when they did that and Tedesco and Manu were running off each other and their game went to a different level, anyone with a brain said, mate, that's your trump card. So whether, whether or not Joey Manu can get back in the next two weeks and they survive this week against South, which I think they do, um, Joey Manu plays in the next two weeks. Yeah, I still think they can. You know, they're out of outside the eight, I think them or Melbourne can win a, win the final. There was six tackles, courtesy of your text questions. We'll take a break, and for my final time after this, we're going to have a very quick four minute odd review of the Warriors season, and we'll put them to bed. Hewitt will be back in the chair. It's running it straight. It's two hours now, thanks to Gull.nz for your stations. Gull fueling your missions all year round. Kepi, the Warriors, we've got four minutes left. Um, geez, they've been through the they've been through the ringer. Cam George, the owner. Poor old Stacey gets the poison chalice. How's Stacey going to come through all of this? Oh, look, I think Stacey's looking forward to having a rest. Mm. Um, I'm not too sure. You know, the Kiwis... 
catch up. I think they're going to camp next week. You know what I mean? So I don't know whether that's going to give Stace enough time to, to actually have a rest. So maybe he doesn't go up to England with the Kiwi team and he stays back. But for Stace, I think getting through, because you do reviews, basically what happens when your season ends and then you do a week of reviews. Yeah. And, you, and you're basically setting the tone for next off-season, which is probably in about eight weeks' time, ten weeks' time, where the boys have to come back and start training. And Stace will be looking to get to the end of that, and he'll be looking to get away and just getting back to his family with Rochelle and the kids and just spending some quality time with them without having to worry about this. I, look, I think it was a masterstroke from Cam George putting Stacey into that hmm. that role, and I've said that. And you couldn't have got anyone better because Stace is a is a good bloke, you know. And I think he's made some made some some changes at the right time to the attitude. And but that's been really challenging. You know, the Reese Walsh incident on the sideline last week was saying to me a hell of a lot about the culture in the club. You know, where you can snatch the 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 walkie talkie off the off the the ground manager that's talking to Stace and screaming down it and putting your hand on the camera, um, it says a lot about what's actually going on behind the scenes. So I think for Stace, it's a, it's about just regrouping, you know, getting back to his role. He's had a he's had a taste of first grade mm. and and what it could look like in the in the future. I think he he will make a first grade coach. That's no no worries at all. Um, but yeah, for him, mate, he's. Seriously, he's looking to get away and having a break. That's that's what I what I think. We've talked a lot about um, Reese Walsh and the Matt Lodge fiascos. I do want to smell a rose or two. Where's some success stories from the Warriors this season? Well, Tohu Harris is a success story, and he so he's come mm. back from a major knee injury, and he's played majority of the minutes for the side. Um, Adam Fanua Blake was another one. I think he was very good. Josh Curran at the beginning of the year was being talked about state of origin. Um, you know, signed a, signed an extension to his contract. You know, you've got look, I, you've got still, you know, the likes of Dallin Watini Zelezniak that should have picked up the club man of the year, or so one too. of those awards. You know, his enthusiasm and the way that he approached every game, like he just wanted to get out there and throw his body to the, to the wolves every week, was was inspiring. Um, and you know, there's a couple of young kids like. Um, uh, Villiani in the centres yeah. like I thought I, like he's going to grow into that body he's going to be a decent centre he's got speed you saw the try scored last week and he's a goal case so took, took that left foot stepped around um, the half and, and ran all that, that distance to score that try and you know if we can continually keep those players and develop them and add these you know you got, you're talking about Nakori, who's in Parramatta, he's got some finals experience. Mitch Barnett, he's been around for donkey's years. Tamari Martin is obviously coming here to play six because I've let Ussie go. Then, yeah, you know, like you're, you're adding a little bit more starch to your side. So I, I think there's a silver lining um, at the end of this COVID experience. Are we, I, are we a top eight side next year? Have we got the signings? Um, too early for me to st- say, Steffi. Top at, 10? Top 11? <laughs> I think we, I think we're going to have to prove a hell of a lot because you got talking about coaches as well. Yeah, yeah, so much to look forward to. That is running it straight. Another edition. Thanks you to Galt for fueling our missions all year round. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.